So last night, I had the wonderful privilege of uh, hosting Marsha Wiggins uh, for the evening, and she was at church at 9.30 this morning. Some of you may not know Marsha, but Marsha was the associate pastor here beginning in 1982, and then when Dean Martin, the senior pastor, passed away, she became the interim pastor for a few months before she was um, moved to serve in another congregation. So Marcia was coming through town and, and spent the night with us last night. She was here at 9.30, and it just got me thinking about um, her impact on me. And I shared that at 9.30, and so I thought I would share that with you all uh, this morning as well. So I grew up at Trinity, for those of you who don't know. I came, uh, my parents brought me when I was 18 months old, when we first moved to town. And I graduated from high school in 1982. So I graduated in June, and Marsha probably came at the end of June. And I went away to college. Um, but just in that little time that I was home for vacations and holidays, uh, Marsha saw something in me and had an impact on my life. So that, that year after my freshman year in college, I came home to serve as an intern with Trinity's youth group. I thought, hey, what better idea than getting paid for what I did all the time anyway? That's fine. Um, so, so I worked as an intern that summer. And it was that summer in that short period of time that Marcia came to me and she said, Catherine, have you ever thought about uh, going and being a summer youth worker somewhere. Churches hire youth directors just for the summer. Have you thought about that? And I said, no. And she said, well, I really think you should think about that and let me show you how you might go about doing that. So I worked as a youth director at First United Methodist in Winter Park that summer. And then the next summer, I told her that I was going to go back and, and work at First Winter Park again. And she said, have you ever thought about maybe working in another church this summer and, and trying and having a different experience in, in a different church. And I said, well, no, I hadn't thought about that. And she said, well, here, let me, let me show you what you might do again. And, and so I worked in another church as a youth minister. Um, and then my first year in seminary, uh, Trinity invited me to come home and to preach the Sunday after Christmas. And Marcia was at that point the interim uh, minister, and um, and it was the Sunday after Christmas, and I preached. And again, I think it was Marcia who saw that in me, who saw a call to ministry in me when I didn't see it in myself. I don't know. I don't remember anyone else at Trinity asking me about that, inviting me to consider that, to pray about that, to pay attention to that, but Marcia did. And that Sunday, right before I was supposed to preach, I remember sitting on the bench um, behind the pulpit at the 8th Avenue campus when we were there and literally debating about whether I should pretend that I was going to throw up so that I could run out and I wouldn't have to preach because I didn't want to do it. But again, Marcia was one of the primary ones who encouraged me to consider that call and, and helped me when I was struggling with, with what in the world do you say in a sermon and how do you how do, you do that? Um, so she's not here at this service, but I just want to thank 
Marcia, um, on behalf of Trinity for the impact that she's had um, and that you all continue to have on so many lives, on so many children and youth who um, might be encouraged to explore a call to ministry. So if you see some, something in somebody, I hope that you'll tell them and I hope that you'll encourage them um, because that will impact their life and I trust that through that, uh, God will be able to have an impact um, for the kingdom of God. So uh, just wanted to share that with you guys. Anyway, so in this month of October, um, we have been doing this love your neighbor uh, emphasis. Leading up to the elections, we thought it would be a good time for us to have our own campaign, and therefore we made these love your neighbor signs, and um, it's a way for us to emphasize um, what it looks like to love our neighbors, those who are literally our friends and neighbors and those who we don't even know, those who think like us and those who think and believe completely differently. They have different opinions and perspectives on anything and everything. You know, right now, everybody seems to be lining up and picking sides, especially about these elections. And so we wanted to do this so that we could put these in people's, in our own yards, that we could put them so that they would stand out on street corners crowded with campaign signs or in front of um, voting locations so that they would stand out and we would be standing up for loving our neighbors and doing all the good we can. You know, this is the last Sunday in this series as we, but it doesn't mean that it's the end of the campaign for sure. Keep your yard signs out as long as you want. Continue to share stories on hashtag LoveYourNeighborGNV um, so that others will, will hear about these stories of, of us showing that love. And most of all, just continue to show that love day in and day out um, so that others will know uh, both who we are and, and, and how we live. Uh, our scripture message for this morning is, is from Ephesians chapter 4, and I'll start with verse 29. And I invite you to follow along with me, whether you're at home or whether you are here in person, follow along on the screens or with your Bibles if you have them or if you have them at home. We'll see if we can... There we go. Great. Thank you. Um, so, let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace. I love that. So that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of God for the people of God and God's people say, thanks be to God. 
Let me invite you, as I regularly do, to pray for me in sharing this message with you as I pray for you in receiving it. Let's pray. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. Several years ago, the church that we were serving at the time did this ad campaign. There was a small community newspaper, and it wasn't very expensive to to advertise, and so we took out a full-page ad in that paper for several weeks in a row, and we did this series of ads. The opening line at the top in big print of that ad was, imagine a church. And then each week there was kind of a, a different tagline to talk about really who we were and what was distinct about us. Imagine a church where children are invited to be seen and heard. Imagine a church where youth are not just considered the future of the church, but are a part of the church now. And then one that said, imagine a church where people care less about what you wear on Sundays and more how you live the rest of the week. Hmm? So true, right? As a church, we wanted to make sure and strive to be true to who we were and what we said we believed 24-7, and not just on Sunday mornings. And, And Trinity, I know that we are that way as well. We can't go to church on Sundays and then cuss somebody out on Mondays, right? We can't sing on Sundays, they'll know we're Christians by our love, and then later in the week, horribleize, horribleize others because they have different perspectives or opinions. We can't sit in these chairs for worship on Sunday morning and then turn around and be unkind and unforgiving. We can't, right? Our scripture for this morning reminds us of that. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths. Literally, that's the, a more literal translation is, let no rotten talk. Let no rotten talk come out of your mouths. Not only are we instructed not to talk rotten, but the only thing that should come out of our mouths is something that is useful for building up, something that gives grace to others. How much of what we say would be eliminated if we didn't say anything but something that would be a blessing to others? How much of what I say would be eliminated if I didn't say anything but something that would give grace to others? There are so many words that are spewed each day that are full of vitriol and bullying and hatred and meanness. What if we went back to what we learned in kindergarten? Y'all could probably say it with me. Don't say anything nice. Don't say any. If you can't say anything nice. Exactly. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. My grandmother used to say, bite your tongue, young lady. Bite your tongue. What would happen if before we spoke, we all really thought, 
if I don't have anything nice to say, then maybe I just shouldn't say anything at all. Do our words give grace? Do all your words give grace? So the first thing to remember is this, let your words give grace. That's a powerful statement, giving grace. Paul continues in the same vein when he says, put away all bitterness, wrath, anger, wrangling, slander, and malice. How many ways can you say, put away all the bad, rotten stuff? And why? Because it grieves the Holy Spirit. We are God's beloved children, and nothing will change that. And yet, just like when our children do or say something that we know is not really who they are, it breaks our heart, it grieves our spirit, so when we do things, we grieve the Spirit of God. Paul says it grieves the Spirit of God with which we were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. That word seal is used in some of the ancient texts when talking about baptism. With our baptism, we are marked with a seal, a seal on our foreheads. Um, if you've participated in a, in a reaffirmation of baptismal service, you come forward, put your hand in the water, and often people will make the sign of the cross on their forehead as a, as a way to remember that seal. In essence, we are branded by God, like cattle used to be branded with who owns them. We are branded. We are sealed as belonging to God. We belong to God. So if we belong to God, then, then we ought to talk like it and, and act like it in our everyday walking around lives. So the second lesson for us today is we belong to God and therefore we need to act like it. It reminds me of, of, of what they call brand integrity in, in marketing. Um, uh, I'm getting ready to talk about Chick-fil-A, but I'm thinking about Sonny's as I'm talking about this. But anyway, brand marketing. So when you go to Chick-fil-A, you know that you're going to get the same quality of food every time you go, or when you go to Sonny's. Um, you're going to get the same kind of, uh, see, I'm trying to be loyal here. Um, you're going to get the same kind of hospitality when you go, every time you go. As a matter of fact, have you guys noticed that when you go to Chick-fil-A and they give you your meal and you say thank you, do you know what they say? My pleasure every single stinking time. You say thank you, and they say, my pleasure. But it's a part of their brand integrity, the quality of, of the food, the hospitality, the participation in the community. The question is, do we stack up to our brand? Do we uh, have brand integrity to the one that we follow and who we represent. You think we do? Well, in March of this year, the survey results were published for the first time by Ipsos, IPSOS research company. It was a study that was commissioned by the um, Episcopal Church of the United States, and it's called the Jesus in America study. They surveyed 3,119 people, Americans, over the age of 18, and the results are very eye-opening for us who call ourselves 
Christian. The survey found a fundamental disconnect between the way we as Christians see ourselves and how non-Christians view us. The Christians surveyed overwhelmingly saw themselves as compassionate, giving, loving, and respectful. But those from other faiths or people from no faiths were most likely to say that Christians were hypocritical. 55% saw Christians as hypocritical. Judgmental, 54%. Self-righteous and arrogant. Ouch. Christians were also more likely to say that fellow Christians represented the values and teachings of Jesus. But few non-Christians actually believed that. When asked how well Christians represented the values and teachings of Jesus, many of those who were not affiliated with faith said, not at all. 29% said, not at all do we represent the values and teachings of Jesus. And only 2% said that we represent the values and teachings of Jesus a lot. This is a wake-up call for us. Michael Curry, the um, presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church in America, says, based on what we've learned, we are refocusing our efforts on being a church that looks and acts like Jesus and models its behavior in our teachings. In this process, we hope to ignite a revival of love that encourages all Americans to do a better job of loving your neighbors. We are encouraged that the research shows Americans still find Jesus to be compelling. Isn't that amazing? When we're not representing that very well, but Americans still find Jesus to be compelling. But we also see that the, belief, the behavior of its followers, of his followers, is a problem. And not just certain Christians, but all Christians. That includes us, Trinity, us, church. We've got to get back to our brand. If we are branded, sealed in our baptism by the power of the Holy Spirit, then we've got to get back to brand integrity. Ephesians 5.1 tells us how. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ has loved us. That's the how. How do we do this? We do it by imitating God. Christ gave himself for us as an offering for us, and then we imitate his witness as we give freely of ourselves as an offering to others. Therefore, it may sound a little overwhelming and even impossible, but we do it just one step at a time with the strength of the Holy Spirit. We know as Christians that we are not perfect. We know that. We are not inoculated against sin. But we strive to love our neighbors, to walk around wearing love in our everyday lives. Even when we don't feel like loving, even when it may feel disingenuous, we still should act 
with love. Now, now that may, may sound a little harsh, but it's kind of that fake it until you make it mentality. We, we do what comes unnaturally until it becomes natural. We do that with learning the piano or learning to sing or learning a sport. We do what seems unnatural until it is natural. And we can do that with our daily walk with Christ as well. We fake it. We develop the habit first and then our heart follows. So the third lesson is as we strive to imitate God, fake it till you make it. Practice love until it becomes real and it becomes authentic to who you are. You know, more than 20 years ago, um, Steve and I were sent to do a new church start. And we were leaving seminary, and we'd only had one car in seminary, so we decided we would get a, a family vehicle. We had one child and a dog and another child on the way, and we were doing this new church start, so we knew that our vehicle would probably be the church bus and the church um, hauler, and we put a hitch on the back to haul the trailer, and, and, um, and it would be used in a, in a variety of ways to, to move the youth group around and everything else. So we bought this big Ford Expedition. They were brand new. Big truck. And we decided that we would also use that big truck for advertising. We would be driving billboards. So we got car magnets. Y'all may have heard me tell, tell this story before. We got car magnets to go on the driver's side and the passenger side doors. But we quickly learned some very important lessons as we were driving around with church signs on our doors. And that is that when you're driving around with church signs on your vehicle, you have to be the most kind, patient, uh, generous, compassionate driver on the road. You know, I, I couldn't be representing the church and um, honk obnoxiously at somebody who pulls right out in front of me. And I couldn't go anything over the speed limit because I might get stopped on the side of the road and I can't have flashing lights behind my vehicle when I've got these car signs on the side. And even when I'm stopped in traffic, I have to let somebody in, and not even one person, but church signs. I got to let two people go in front of me when I'm driving around. You know, driving with that vehicle, my identity was clearly posted for all to see. I was representing the church. And then all of a sudden, it dawned on me. How do I represent Christ every day? in what I do and what I say and who I am? What if I had a big label on my forehead that said, I am a Christian. How would I be representing Christ? Was I loving my neighbor? In my everyday, normal, walking around life, would others see Christ in me? Am I imitating Christ? Are my actions and attitudes and words representing Christ well? Are yours? So love your neighbor. That's what it's all about. Walk around in your everyday ordinary life loving others. Live love. Let your words give grace. 
And as Christians, we've been baptized, we've been sealed by Christ, we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, and therefore we're branded and we belong to Christ. So imitate, imitate God. We belong to God, so act like it. And then finally, even when you don't feel like imitating God, it's okay. It's okay to fake it until you make it. So from now on, from now on, let's be loving. Let's be tenderhearted and forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us. Imagine yourself with that sticker on your forehead, I am a Christian. And then go out and love your neighbor. Let's go out and act like it. Will you pray with me? Oh God, you have loved us so much. You loved us before we loved you. And you gave your son, Jesus Christ, as an offering of love for us. So strengthen us, encourage us, enable us to go out and live love in all that we do. From now on to love our neighbors to represent you well, O oh God. We are your children and we belong to you. Help us, O oh God, as we offer ourselves to you and we offer ourselves to others to walk around in our everyday ordinary lives and act like it and love our neighbors. In the name and through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen.